Hey, music lovers and music haters and those who feel indifferent. My name is John. Uh, chances are you probably already know who I am because I in everything ever, always. Uh, and welcome to the inaugural episode of The Loft, where we talk about music, life, faith, and how it all intertwines together. I have two special acquaintances of mine on uh with me for the inaugural episode uh with our um was it a network would we call it a network Correct. i think that's yes. the word we've been using <clears throat> all right well i've i've got some network friends uh from the uh uh culture suddenly, box culture box jeez i am terrible at this this is all new for me everybody so i apologize from the culture box team uh hanging out and I'm probably going to be fired from them by the end of this episode. Uh, well, I don't know. You have some cozy chairs here. I like this beanbag chair. I'm in this loft. Oh, that's yeah, nice. Man. And the Christmas tree in the corner by Drew. Never too early to celebrate the birth of our savior. Uh, but I digress. Uh, with me from the Culture Box Sanhedrin, we got, uh, the, we've got the high priest Caiaphas himself, Francisco. Uh, say hello to everybody, Caiaphas. Crucify him. Crucify. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Someone oh, we're starting this nature. off on a great note. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I am here for this 100%. Uh, <laughs> and, and next to him, uh, we got Drew from the Cellcast. So I have no re- good reason to say give us Barabbas. Is that what you're saying? I, I don't. I don't know that. Like, like Francisco caught me so off guard with how in line his response was that it just completely derailed my train of thought at that point going forward. That's why I'm a high priest, <laughs> and I'm just a lowly peon. <laughs> hey, you know everybody. Everybody needs a page boy. So with that introduction aside, uh, Shalom. Assalamu alaikum, greetings and hello. Uh, welcome to The Loft. We're going to talk about music um, and its effect on everybody because I believe that music is such an individual experience for people and everybody experiences it so differently that even if you're not into music, there's always going to be some experience that someone has with music that connects us all together. Uh, music's important for me because it is one of the few things that is like that in the biblically speaking is mandatory for worship. Like anytime there is worship there, music is always involved in some fashion. Um, so it's, spiritual but it's also personal and emotive so i get excited about it and i'm always on the ball to discuss it with anybody so i'm just gonna throw this question out there let's get this party started with the most basic question of all like what are you guys into like what do you dig and and you don't have to say specifically christian bands um you know that's that's kind of our preference here but i mean if that's not your bag if there's like some secular bands like drew i know you're into zz top if if i remember conversations correctly why don't I remember these conversations? <laughs> I don't know. Am, am I missing? Did I get a different Texas friend confused with you here? You might have, because I don't think I've ever mentioned ZZ Top. Do you like ZZ Top? I, I, I'll i be honest. I My musical tastes are what would be considered eclectic. It's probably the best description for it. Oh, there's uh, and so not- I, a lot of the music I listen to, I find out years later, oh, that's what that band was that played that song I really like. Oh. Uh. <laughs> So you could say, oh, ZZ Top, and I'm going, I probably know a song of theirs, but I couldn't tell you I've actually, I couldn't point to it, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. that's about the only uh, artist that I would buy their album unheard would be uh, Weird Al Yankovic, because I think I've bought pretty much every single one of his albums about this point. Yeah, I think I think everybody has. Well, let me hang on to that thought because I want to, I want to circle back around to that, but I'm very curious about talking to Francisco about music because I think I can, I've had, I've had instances where I've demonstrated to people that you can learn a lot about people, uh, by their musical preferences. And Francisco is somebody that I've been eager to dissect. So, uh, Francisco, what are you into, sir? Oh, now I'm under the knife. Oh no. Um, I think. 
which is a Time great song by Twisted Sister, by the way. <clears throat> Twisted the Knife. Twisted Sister, my dude. Who's that? That's uh, the guy that from... Oh, never mind. That joke's dead. Anyway. Franci- <laughs> Francisco. I was going to make a joke from Flight of the Navigator, because that's what... Uh, oh, what's her name? yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's yes. her name like? Yeah, yeah, the, Francisco um, Ortiz Parker. Valdez. Parker, yes. You are old enough to know who all is this that? is. I know what? who Twisted Sister is. I'm being ridiculous, as okay. I want to do. Um, so I enjoy... Yeah, similar to Drew, I feel like I'm pretty eclectic other than country music. I tend to not like anything. I, I like folk music, okay. But country music, like modern country music, I typically do not like. But yeah. I enjoy... Well, they haven't made real country music since 2005, so you're fine. Even that is too modern for me. Anyway, um, for me, I, I I have a range of bands. I like... Uh, Game soundtracks I will listen to a lot. I like, uh, in terms of band bands, I like Switchfoot, um, The Midnight, I Falling Up when they were together. Um, let's see, who else do I enjoy? Uh, those are, I, I guess those would be the main bands of any notoriety. Um, I, I love- I'm just going to... I'm just going to say that it fills my heart with great joy, Francisco, to hear you say you like the midnight. I know we've had that conversation before, but it's just hearing somebody talk about retro wave and, and stuff like that. It's, it, it, it lets me know I'm not the only dweeb out there who misses the eighties. Yeah, no, I definitely do. Which is <laughs> interesting because I didn't really care for eighties music back then. I had listened to more Motown mm. when I was growing up. Um, I think that's just cause well, that's what my parents listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's like Jai Mathis or the Supremes or whoever, but so that'd be my, I guess my, uh, my, uh, I was going to say a mouge bouge, but that's not the right word. <laughs> What's the thing with the Repertoire? crackers? Oh, no. Um, as a shaku- that's my charcuterie board of music for now. Right, 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 right. I got oh, you. Oh, you're lunchable. I, I, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm smelling what you're stepping in, bro. Um, <clears throat> so, it, it, so it seems like between the two of you, then like the, the common theme here is uh, kind of a, like y- you guys seem to connect on the level of like older country music. Like I, I know Francisco, you said you don't like modern country. Is it the old, is that to state that you do enjoy older country or is that to state like, you that's just like country, st- but very specifically. That's mo- to state I like Johnny Cash, and that's about it. <laughs> okay. 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 Johnny so- Cash, while his country, he's like edge of country of that era. So well, that's as much country as I Cause like. Because he's like right there. He's not really on Southern rock, but it's like feels like he's like flirting with it a little. Well, he's he's more flirting with the rock and roll of the time. Like, it, like did, did either of you guys see the movie? I mean, he uh, toured Cannon with Ball. with uh, Elvis for crying out loud in his early yeah, days. Yeah, and and uh, Elvis and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. So, um, and actually, like like I like I was about to bring up, according to uh, uh, Johnny the Johnny Cash biopic, it was Jerry Lee Lewis who got uh, Elvis and uh, and Johnny Cash hooked on the meds back in the day. Oh, was it? Was that Los the, the one? Uh, walking, walking tall line, that, that one about? with we walking phoenix no 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 it's uh well, walk the line, walk the line, not walking walk, tall and that's it yeah that's walk it. walking line. tall was a Dwayne the rock johnson movie yeah very similar to a johnny cash biopic in my opinion you know i would like to see Dwayne the rock johnson play johnny cash in a johnny cash biopic can you imagine that, that? would be interesting can can, can you sing? smell what the cash is cooking <laughs> That's, that's the question, though. Could The Rock sing? Yeah, he's in Moana and sings uh, You're Welcome. Hey, you have a point there. I, I didn't think of that. That's really more, though, of a talking and, mel- and rhythm, but still. <laughs> My dude, you just you just killed me for a second because you said she, that he was in Moana. And I'm like, well, I, mean, I, he thought, is. I, th- I know, but I thought he said he was in Moana. And that just blew my want. That just blew my mind entirely. And <laughs> I'm like, I want to see pictures, like pictures, or it didn't <laughs> happen. Like I need to see young Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, in an old pal's uniform. Someone put that across my desktop, please. The GIF army is on it. I'm sure. <laughs> so <laughs> that being said, so. 
<clears throat> going back to the classic music. So, so you, you, you don't like the older other country stuff. Like you're not into like Hank Williams senior or Conway Twitty or Waylon Jennings then, or I've heard the names, but I doubt mm-hmm. I would like the music. What okay. about Charlie Daniels? Nope. Don't know who that is. You don't, you don't like Devil went down, went down, down to Georgia. Georgia. Uh, that's, that's more of an oldie in my book. So it's technically country. Okay, well, fine then. Well, here, here's the, here's the thing though. On that, Drew, um, Charlie Daniels was one of those guys who kind of walked the line between country and rock. True. And roll True. But let's be honest. The genrefication of music is messy in general. So, Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of cross pollination. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why abominations like cowboy Troy exist is because we don't selectively breed our musical, our musical genres. Once again, that's after country died, but anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have an opinion that they haven't made real country music since 2005. It's not saying there's not quote unquote country songs from that era. I like, but let's face it. After that point, it turned into twang pop. I, I will, you know I will say, I will say this drew country music. I don't feel is dead. I think that it merely has done what all great music does and went underground. Uh, well, then let, let me rephrase. It's not dead, but is very much unconscious. Could be. I, you know what's interesting? I feel about the same way as you do, uh, Drew, about uh, modern movie score music, that it's on life support. There's nothing hummable anymore. It's all just like ambient droning uh, music or or poppy, just, just like let's – let's have something underneath what's going on on screen. There isn't really anything except for like musical movies where it's like, obviously that's a big part of the movie, but, but just general, there's no, uh, especially for more like a uh, blockbuster esque movies. The score is just like, I guess, yeah, there was music. I remember it, but I don't, it's not hummable at all. And I feel like that died out in the mid two thousands. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't have, like I remember back in the eighties, man, like I would go to school humming. Like I would, you could daydream about being your favorite movie hero at that yeah. given moment. And there was a theme you would hum, you know, you exactly. had the star Wars theme or even like, uh, Indiana uh, Bat- Jones Batman or Batman 89 yeah. had its Ghostbusters. Own I mean, it's, the, yeah. the last, the, the, the last okay. one of those big movie th- franchise themes I can remember is uh, the Avengers theme that Alan Silvestri wrote, but I can't mm-hmm. even hum that for you at the moment. So yeah, I was about to say, that, you, you that's the closest have, thing. You don't have kids. You don't have those, those, those movements, those soaring movements for like how many themes, how many, how many score themes can you hum from the Star Trek scores? Not, not Star Trek, Star Wars. I was going to oh, say, I, say I can answer the question with Star Trek actually. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I I'm I'm much more of a Trekkie than I am Star Wars fan. But I mean, even uh, still, you you got still, the yeah, I mean, theme. You yeah. got the you got the amp, the March of the Empire Imperial March, yeah. Right. I mean, there are so many different themes throughout that entire series that people are like, oh, that's from Star Wars, right? Yeah, like, and, th- and then you get to the sequ- the, the the sequel trilogy, and it's like I don't really remember any songs from that, except exactly. for the ones that John Williams originally brought. For the, the other movies. Yeah. yeah. And I'd say that's even the case for a lot of the prequel series, except for Duel of Fates and then mm-hmm. Across the Love Across the Stars or something like that. Those are pretty memorable, but he sort of tapers off in episode one, two, and three, I feel. But mm-hmm. that's around the time, though, the, the focus with movie scores was moving from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, in, I, I hate to say in your face themes, but from the old way of doing it to these just ambient background noise mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. the background noise is really not fair either but still you know what i mean yeah yeah it's nothing that you can take with you like uh like john was saying mm-hmm. with to school or in to work and be like okay i'm gonna get this done because i'm batman yeah. now or whatever yeah i mean like you could do that far better with video game scores ironically at this point. yeah absolutely yes uh, yeah that that is very true. But the thing about it though is video game sc- scores have to be catchy and they have mm-hmm. to be and they have to be memorable because it's the music you're going to be listening to for 80 hours plus. That's you very know? true. Uh, whereas uh you can you can put up a a boring score for a movie and as long as it's there to fill in the silences, you know, you don't notice the lack of it until you start thinking about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and, you know, this is kind of getting off the topic of music a little bit and dipping into movies, which I do on a different podcast uh, called uh, The Bottom Shelf. Go check it out now. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I, I think it, it, it kind of comes down to this whole idea behind cinema that what happens on the screen is really the only important part of the experience. And a lot of everything else is getting kicked to the wayside, like not only just the movie score, but what mm-hmm. like a uh, movie poster art or movie box art. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Cause they've gotten very lazy with that too. All they I have mean, is just a couple of clips of people who are in the movie huddled around and that's it. Like, dude, they're all, all the, all the posters are floating heads. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, when Drew Struzan does that for the Indiana Jones thing, it works, but still, but like, the last time I saw some uh, a movie or a movie art that I felt really demonstrated that the people who made the movie cared about the full experience of the movie beyond just the movie itself uh, was it, is a while ago now, but it's still fairly modern. Um, you guys can Google it if you want to, but it's a independent horror film called the Drownsman, And it, harkens back to movie box art from the early 1980s and late 1970s. Um, and I just, it, it, to me, it doesn't feel like the, the attention to the full experience of the movie beyond seeing it itself is really out there anymore. Like there's packaging and Mm -hmm. other things that go along with the movie experience. I think has gotten cheap. And I think a lot of that comes from digital distribution yeah, yeah, it's it's the contentization, if that's a word, mm-hmm. of of media that's been plaguing us for the past ten years, mm-hmm. and it, we're probably not it, past yet. It's less about consuming; it's more about consuming content and less about having a shared experience with others. I feel like, mm-hmm. right, or just telling a good story, right? Yeah. We're putting out a is, good piece of art. It's just more of it, it's it's the McDonald's Happy Meal of of stuff instead of like good steak right and i i will i would uh, to to bring it back around full circle um that digital distribution the digital distribution has done that to music in the same way um and it's you will never see like megastar musicians ever again because of d- digital distribution mm-hmm. uh, like the biggest bands, you know, like when I say the biggest bands, you know, it's the first band that comes to mind when I say that. Unfortunately, Taylor Swift, which I hate that that's the case, but I feel like that is okay. Like modern, any, just the biggest band, you know, weird Al. <laughs> I'd say Metallica is pretty big. Yeah, um, Metall- so- yeah. Weird, weird Al works. Taylor Swift works. Uh, you know, you could say bands like the Rolling Stones any of those bands, we will never have that happen mm-hmm. from, you know, going forward in history, those big, well, let me, let me rephrase that. You won't have the big rock bands, the pop acts. Yeah, they'll be huge, but there's going to be, they're going to be come and go. Uh, but the big arena experiences like going to see kiss live in, in an arena, you know, or eight bands like ACDC or stuff like that. You'll never have that again because of digital distribution, because the marketplace for the good that, being able to have instant access to music as an art has brought the problem is is that it has also devalued the art in and of itself because it Mm -hmm. causes it causes oversaturation and and inflation basically it works the same way as currency does if you oversaturate oversaturate your marketplace with what you have then there's no demand for it well i could see that being the case for a decline in like uh physical media sales but why would that decrease the the band like going to see someone live experience like the desire it, for that because it decreases the value of the band in and of itself uh, bands the, the like the the whole live experience that's paid for by uh creating hype through your album mm-hmm. sales uh, so it, it all comes down to you need the album sales because basically what the album has been reduced to through digital distribution is basically uh, an advertisement for a live event because the majority of the money that you, that happens, like say for instance, through uh, platforms like uh, am digital, like Amazon or anything like that. 
where you say, I want to buy that album digitally about 95 to 99% of that transaction goes to the record label or Mm -hmm. someone else other than the artist, usually Mm -hmm. per dollar per dollar you're the artist gets about a fraction of one cent from each Mm -hmm. transaction you get off of digital distribution. So what happens with that is they don't have the ability to reinvest into doing these giant stage performances or some kind of artistic feature to Mm -hmm. demonstrate that. So you're not going to have big bands like kiss or whatever. That's all about spectacle and rock spectacle, being able to get out there and put these shows on. Or if they do, you're going to have inflated ticket prices like we see as well, where it's $300 to go see a show. Whereas mm. back in 1976 to see kiss live, it was like seven fifty for general admission. $750. That's even no, worse. No, $7 and 50 cents, my dude. Oh, that's better. So I don't know. It's good. It's good to get, but in the same sense, like the distribution of media digitally helps people on the lower end because it puts them in the same marketplace as anything else. So you're going to be able to be on the same shelf as bands like Taylor Swift or movies. Like for some reason, Jaws is coming to mind, but whatever, you know, block, you're going to be able to put yourself out there and market yourself along there. But the problem is, so, so does everybody else. Yeah. So everything's diluted. It's hard to stand out then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's weird to think about how as a consumer, we love digital distribution, but in the same sense, it's also killing the same thing that we say we love. Here's the thing. Or, digital distribution does make things easier. Like, Half the movies that we review on the Cellcast, I would not be able to view to review it if it weren't for, you know, being able to watch it on absolute service. But at the same time, if I could, I would do physical media for pretty much everything. But there's no place I can easily go and rent these things, and I can't mm-hmm. buy every movie that right. I want to watch. So even though the quality is always better with physical, mm-hmm. it's you know, you, you, you kind of, you kind of are stuck. No. And I, and the other problem is, is, uh, and this is something that Dallas has pointed out on other, uh, geek devotion shows is that when you quote, buy things digitally, mm-hmm. um, you don't own that. You're buying a license to, you're, you're basically, you're play, basically yeah. leasing Technic- it. Technically you are also doing that with physical media, but it's with it, it that license lasts, as long as you own the disc, right? With point, with yes. the streaming stuff, they could t- you could lose that at any time, right? That was kind of where they don't I was have going. to warn you about it either. Exactly, and that was kind of where I was going with that. And you see that in the video game world as well, which is I mm-hmm. know that all three of us are involved with on some level or another. Is that it's a bit? It's start. Excuse me, I got a cough. It's a. Uh, it's starting to become a big issue within the video game world as far as being able to preserve the history of the mm-hmm. art itself, because it's all dependent with digital distribution. It's all dependent on whether or not those servers stay up and they're able to uh, maintain having the gold copy, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it, well, even then with updates, like if it's, if you own yeah. a physical copy of a game that you, that was put out this year, you may not have the version that is like the the version that most people played at release. You have whatever version they were able to put on the disc and it mm-hmm. may still be buggy as all get out because they have no reason to finish the game, quote unquote, by the time it goes gold. They just have to have it finished by release date, which is right. what, three months usually, uh, yeah, they, they, I think, on average. Because they got the, the, the post-production. Yeah. And there's no end. It's not like there's no reason for them to stop it at that point anymore because those programmers have to do something for for the to stay busy until the next project comes up. Right. So that's interesting. What do you, what what do you, what do you think about that, Francisco? Like, do you, where do you stand on physical versus digital? I prefer. I well, I enjoy the the. I don't know if "enjoy" is the right word. As similar to Drew, it'd be harder to see more um, of what's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for instance, I'll say it this way. Having something like Netflix allows me to try movies I probably never would try otherwise to see if I like them. Um, and then if I 
for here, here's a good example. Like recently I, um, I'll try to spread the gory details, but I watched a movie called, um, the house that dripped blood or drips blood. <laughs> one of those, it's one of those, one of them will lead you to another one that says the, the house that dripped blood on Alex in IMDb. It's so I forgive it's drips or dripped the, the tense it's matters. Dripped. I, I know what movie Drip. you're talking about. That's, okay. that's classic schlock schlock. How dare you? I thought it was very well done, <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it. And so it got me interested in seeing other movies from the same uh, production company, Amicus uh, Productions. And so um, I, I, was, I was looking for other movies to watch. It didn't get me to the point of, oh, you know, I love this so much, I'm going to buy them. But uh, I was certainly interested in seeing more of what they had. And if you can uh, sort of uh, ignite that passion and like, I really like what these people are doing, it certainly would lead me down the path of something like buying like John Carpenter. I buy, I collect his steel books that shop factory puts out. And so I enjoy having that physical media. So I think it's a good gateway, but you really have to stand out and be some, be exceptional to, to attract enough of an audience that, that will want to buy whatever you're putting out physically. Um, whether it's movies, probably music is the same way though. I right. tend to not buy music anymore. Um, uh, because I mean, I tend, I used to buy on iTunes and I liked having that, but then it's, uh, I lost access to that account. So I've lost all that music and I, I, I the, the music I tend to listen to is just whatever I find on YouTube that I enjoy and I'll just listen there. So, mm. Yeah. And I think, I think platforms like YouTube, uh, when it comes to music that give you free access to whatever, um, that's kind of like, as far as like music is concerned, that's like the modern hurdle that was presented by groups like BMG or Columbia house back in the eighties and nineties with their, uh, music, music clubs, uh, for the younger listeners out there, uh, back in the eighties and nineties, there was these things called music clubs where you could buy between eight to 15 albums, depending on the promotion, uh, for a penny physical media, just provide shipping and handling. And then you were an indentured servant to that company for the next three years. Uh, but the problem, the problem with that, that, culture of getting all this music for free is that it again devalues the product that you're trying to sell Mm -hmm. um and so i I get it i get john i'm part of the problem i get it no it's just it's just they're like i i get why people go on to platforms like youtube or Mm -hmm. spotify and stuff like that and they want to check out things uh the problem is is that there are a lot of people out there who never progress from the checkout things because it's always there for free for them to dip back into. Uh, and it, and it goes, it goes back to the whole, uh, marriage analogy of why would you buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? You know what I mean? Uh, the problem, well, the other problem though you're running into is, uh, it's getting harder and harder to find players of anything but MP3s anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, what are physical out al- if they still made physical albums in the future, what would they be SD cards? Oh, I can tell you what it's going to be because I've already been seeing it. Uh, you go into any store where people used to buy CDs and you vinyl. go check out. Yes. Vinyl and Fred Meyer, which is like a Kroger. They sell vinyl. Ad- yeah. I'll admit I haven't invested in that because I don't even have a physical like sound system in here outside of a a Bluetooth speaker. So Mm -hmm. I'll say I want to invest in that, but I just don't have, uh, there's other things I've chosen to invest, uh, time and money into, uh, that would certainly be something I would like to in the future because I, I I don't know. I've, I've never had a, a vinyl player and I, I do really, here's one thing that is sort of dumb, but I really enjoy about, um, vinyl is the really big art in, on the sleeves that you get to have. And so if it's done really well, that's really nice to be able to see that artwork really big um, and then listen to the music with it, of course, is a, I see something. Oh, sorry, Night Fever. That's what it is. John is holding uh, a vinyl cover. 
That one's less interesting, but <laughs> that's just because you don't like John Travolta. He's fine. That one's cooler. Hall of Oats. Hall Probably of Oats. Hall, and oats. You, you, Hall of Oatmeal. What? <laughs> Dude, I am not even that big of a music nerd, and I know who Hall of Oats is. Good for you, Team Womp Shirt, Mister. Oh, I did not wear this shirt for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Honestly, I wore it because it was clean. <laughs> Feel free to cut that out, so, John. So you enjoy vinyl then, John? I assume. I, given- I enjoy music in general. Um, I hold a very soft spot for vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, back when I was just a young, young boy at the age of under two. Back when I was a little baby boy. Yeah. Underneath this. Living in a box off the sea. I can't remember the whole thing either. I don't know what you're talking about, but Albuquerque from Weird Al's Running with Scissors album. Yes. He hates sauerkraut to spoil the whole thing. Yes. Oh, man. (laughs) Spoiled the ending of the 11 minute song. How dare you, Drew? That they didn't even write all the the lyrics into the uh, album liner. What? (laughs) Yeah, they listed like a paragraph, and that's it. (laughs) Lame. And it starts as like, you know, I really didn't think about how how much how long the song was and how I was never going to have enough room to write this in the liner notes. <laughs> oh I wish I still had that CD. I don't know what happened to it. I thought you bought all his CDs. I own a lot of his albums, but a lot of them I did not purchase until recently. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I the the Running with Scissors album. I was the first one of his CDs I ever got. But I don't know what happened to it as it's been 30 years since that album came out. Who knows Uh-oh. what happened to my copy? No, that can't be right. That can't be right. It's, it was only 10 years ago at most, I'm sure. 2001, my friend. I, I, uh, A long, long time ago. It was just last year. Bring I it think. back to yeah. Star Wars. It was the one with the saga <laughs> begins on it. In a galaxy far away, Naboo was under an attack. Don't anyway. get me copyright strike I on the first there. episode. I stopped there. Cut <laughs> me out if you feel bad about it. I don't care. <laughs> but to bring it back to your original question, uh, Francisco, when it comes to vinyl, um, I have a very personal connection with vinyl because uh, back when I was very, very young, uh, my parents uh, in the early 80s uh, used to sit me in front of the record player with the big old 1970s cost headphones uh, strapped to my head and they would just hook me up to records for hours and that's how they used to pacify me and I would just sit there and listen to tunes so um, at very young and venerable ages I was listening to bands like Pink Floyd and the like so I do have an enjoyment for vinyl I don't listen to it very often Uh, I do have a collection of it Um, I do feel like vinyl is the future for physical media because it is probably the hardest to create digital copies for and pirate. Um, Although I do like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the platform of Bandcamp. I'm aware of it. I I do. I used to be really uh, a strong proponent of them, but not so much these days. Mm. I do like them. Not since Epic bought it? No, it's um, they... I'm not, I won't go on the story, but I have my reasons. Go ahead, John. <laughs> well, the reason why I do like Bandcamp is because the, uh, the majority, uh, the majority percentage of all sales through Bandcamp go towards the artist. So more of my money is going to the person who created the thing that I like and want to give money to. Um, also when you buy physical media via Bandcamp, uh, you usually get a MP3 download of that as well. So you get the best of both worlds where you can have instant access to the music. So it's like having the album, but you, you can listen to it until you get your physical copy. Or if you're like me and you listen so to digital when you're working during the day, but when you're driving around, you listen to physical media. So it's like Amazon was 20 years ago. Yeah. It's like how Amazon, Amazon was before they became who they are now. Yeah. For sure. My dude. So <clears throat> I still have songs that, that I bought because they were, I bought the albums for Christmas presents for other people that are in my Amazon music list that I have I, no care for listening for. <laughs> I, Hey, you know, I, I've gotten albums for people 
who I'm friends with that I'm like, Hey, it's a buy one, get one free deal because now I have that album too, apparently. <laughs> um, but I like a lot of the stuff that I got too, because I like oh, nice. pretty much everything except for cowboy Troy. Yuck. Anyway. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's take it back to some personal experiences here. Cause I want to get to know you. Uh, like what's, what's the earliest musical experience that you can remember? Well, besides singing in church, I mean, because, yeah, church would probably because, be the earliest for me. So um, yeah, hymns like early on definitely are in right. there, but, but in more terms like, of stuff that really spoke to me, even at mu- that age, more like musical appreciation, like not right. so much musical participation, but like, like it was the uh, first eye-opening experience of music. Like, Hey, I, I would like say, this. yeah, I, I would say the first song that I probably got to, I probably listened so much that I wore it out on a piece of, uh, vinyl uh, would have been uh, Billy Joel's "You May Be Right" from uh, Glass, the Glass Houses album. Mm. Mm. I wore that song out as a child. I don't the like rest it. of the it's record was fine, but I kept replaying that one song over and over again. <laughs> oh, so I learned you were how to pick the needle who, up and move it over. You were those people who mastered the art of placing the needle. Oh yes, back when I was three, four, five years old, I could probably couldn't do it anymore. My dude. What about you, Francisco? I mean, I have a memory of trying to record for whatever reason, red, red wine on the, on cassette from the, when it played on the radio, I like was waiting. I don't know why. Or what how song I would was know. this? Red, red wine. Oh, red, red wine. I thought you said red rider wine. And I'm like, I, what? Ah! I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like the band Red Rider, Red Rider, which was Tom Cochran's first band, but oh, then, yeah, him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah and I so him. I was trying to understand. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> but you're talking about UB40 then, or, or are you going like old school Neil Diamond, Red, Red Wine? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> did it have a reggae feel to it? Yes, it did. Okay. Then that was UB40. Do a okay, cover okay. of Neil Diamond's Red, 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 Red Wine. Oh, okay. That's like I saying dual rear Neil wheel. It's, it just doesn't flow off the tongue very well. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. Called a tongue twister. Indeed. So I remember that wine till just listened to that over and over again mm-hmm. uh, when I was 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. Um, I remember uh, tr- uh, dancing to Captain EO's uh, dance, like trying to memorize his dance steps and listen to that when it was on Disney Channel, like the final battle thing that he had. Mm-hmm. So I remember liking Michael Jackson. Um, Bro, yeah. who didn't like Michael Jackson in the 80s, though? I'm sure someone I didn't, didn't grow up with Michael Jackson on my radio, so I didn't hear him till much later. So, Drew. I'm being Drew honest. Didn't like him. I can't say whether I liked him or not. I'm just telling you that's not what was played in my house. <laughs> it wasn't in mine either, but. I Michael, thought you I, said you like, had I mean, Jackson I, album. I, I technically the Jackson five may have shown up on like the oldie station at the time, Ooh. but that, does that count? Yeah, absolutely. That counts, sir. As, Rock and as, Robin's as a Michael gateway Jackson. drug to, to Michael Jackson's later career. Yeah. But I didn't listen to any of it. I just know one or two songs that happened to come on the radio. So but hey, you have you guys heard the, the, the new version of that song? It's Rock and Robin X, X, X. Huh. Get, get it. Is this thing on? Unfortunately, it. It you is don't, Francisco. Because you don't tweet anymore, you X on Twitter. Because it's not oh. Twitter anymore. That, no, I, okay. I got the I got the joke, Francisco. I fully got the I, joke. I get it's, it now. I just was I, not I, connecting it to modern social media. I, you know what, guys? I, I get it. You need to you need to simmer in that joke for it to really appreciate it. It takes some. It takes some. Uh, I feel if I were to laugh at that joke, Francisco would be disingenuous, and I just don't want to bring our relationship to that level. I don't mind. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) You're looking like you want to laugh, Drew. Go ahead. You can. You can do it. It sounds like this. (laughs) Drew only laughs at his own jokes, sir. I'm not social. The the social media was the farthest thing from my mind when you started that joke. Fine. All right. So, you know what? And and of all the social media apps. 
And of all the social media outlets, Twitter and X are like the one I've used the least. So, <clears throat> all right. When I have a Facebook joke, I'll, I'll try again. I, good luck with that. I'm not saying I get that either. <laughs> anyway, uh, so to kind of to kind of round it out a little bit, I know that to kind of bring it back to something I said at the beginning of the podcast, where music is the only consistent thing I've ever seen throughout scripture that is uh, required for the worship of God. Yeah. Um, I was curious what, what verse of, I, I did a search on that. I'm not seeing where it says it's required. Well, like, no, it's just the common thread throughout, throughout scripture is music is, has always been integrated within the worship of God going all oh, the way back to going all the way back to mosaic law. The people who played the instruments and sang the praises, they were, higher up on the echelon they they marched before the army as they went around jericho um you know even lucifer his function within the angelic host was was as the choir director uh prior to the fall so you know it, it's it, it more catholic tradition than scripture though um they could be wrong there pre-fall luciferian uh anything gets a little bit weird because I've seen several sources. So if you ask me if there's scripture on it, if I'm being 100%, I'd have to tell you, I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. So if I'm going to be completely honest with you, could just, be. just, just throwing it out there since I didn't remember where it actually said anything about what Satan was doing before, or really what anything was going on before creation. So right. Right. He right, was right. messing with Job. I know that. Uh, that's well, technically no, he during said, he creation. Said, so. that, that's post creation. He's talking. We're t- he's talking pre creation. Yeah, oh, we're, uh, we're, yeah, yeah, we're before Lucifer fell. So, but anyway. I digress. Music's a big deal. Is the point I'm making uh, it, when it comes to religious ceremony, even beyond the Christian tradition um, in other religions, music has always been integrated in that. Uh, can you think of any moment that you would be willing to? talk about where you had an encounter with uh an encounter with god uh that was musically related just offhand i know that's a lot for me to throw out there and say it may be personal if you guys don't got nothing that's fine but it's a it's a curious uh because i because music is such a can be such a spiritual experience uh it's it's not really that surprising that there a lot of religious experiences do have do happen um in musical settings so my my apologies i kind of missed the question because i was trying to figure out what on earth the my above door neighbor was doing that was making all that noise on the ground <laughs> uh what was the question <laughs> Uh, just, uh, what, what, if any, uh, experiences with God or experiences in the presence of God, have you had, uh, where music has been a choral correlative experience? Um, for instance, I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll give you a, for instance, so you guys can kind of understand what I'm talking about. Thank um, you. back when I was in the seventh grade, I had my, I went to my very first concert, uh, newsboys were touring for going public with DC talk, not DC talk, audio adrenaline was touring for don't news boys. DC, uh, DC, you threw me off drew. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Newsboys was touring for going public. DC talk was touring for not DC talk, audio Tony adrenaline, Mac? audio adrenaline. Sorry. They're ubiquitous. Um, audio adrenaline was touring for don't censor me. And then, um, Eric champion opened the show. So, uh, just to kind of give you guys a, uh, frame of mind for when this was probably somewhere around 94, 95. And I, it was my first concert and I was there and it was a mythical time. It was a totally something that, that created an addiction in me when it comes to music where I have been chasing the dragon ever since. Um, but, uh, there, they did an altar call and I had, I had my first, experience in the presence of God at that time, at that oh, wow. time. And I, I um, uh, suffice it to say through choices that I made later on in life, that experience didn't stick, but I can say that that sticks out. That was where God put his finger on me and it's like, okay, this is going to be a thing. And I fell away later on, but I, he eventually drew me back. And I think that 
because of that specific experience, I had that handhold to hang on to, you know, do you see Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. like experiences like that, gosh, I am so sorry. Experiences like that where you you were so moved in an, in a, in a musical experience where you had an encounter with the presence of God or something to that effect. Have you ever had that type of an experience? Um, I don't know if it's quite like that for me. I, I, I know that, I went through a really painful season back in 2021 and Mm -hmm. there was a song by um, Switchfoot. They had just released um, uh, Fading West, but this was uh, their sort of an EP they did called um, Edge of, not Edge of Tomorrow, that's the Tom Cruise movie, (laughs) Edge of the World, I think. and it was essentially songs that were not released on Fading West. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm just looking it up uh, though, because there's one song that really impacted me. Just there's a lyric in it. And I know um, Switchfoot isn't, uh, they're, they're, a, they're a rock band, but they're not a Christian band. I think they tend to make that distinction. Um, they're, a, they're Christians in a band. They're not a mm-hmm. Christian band. Yeah, that's. I think that's the distinction they tend to say about right. themselves because mm-hmm. they haven't um, been on a Christian label since what two thousand one, two thousand two, maybe. Oh, it's Edge of Edge of the Earth is the is the name of the album, and so mm-hmm. um, the the song is what it costs, I believe. And there's this one lyric that just really um, helped me to understand how uh, God uses can use pain and can use our pain, uh, to, uh, to experience joy in a very meaningful way. And so let me just see if I can find it. Uh, okay. I think, hold on. Now I'm like, now I'm second guessing myself. Is this it? Oh yeah. Okay. So this is a pre-chorus, uh, and yeah, this song is what it costs and it's, but love uses the pain to drill the holes that irrigate our dry and thirsty souls. And to me, that just hit me so deep because there's this element of I'm feeling so much pain, but it can be an act of love to experience that because without that, I'm sort of just dry bones in the desert, like what Ezekiel sort of has this vision of. Um, And it takes God um, to break through this sort of calloused and this uh, exterior that's sort of numb to experience to realize that, oh, I, I need, this pain was important. Uh, and God can use that to actually bring new life and, um, out of it. So I, that's how I read into it. I know with a lot of Switchfoot stuff and even the midnight, there's so much poetry that goes into it that I think different people based on what they, how they hear it or when they hear it, it can evoke different emotions and different, um, experiences, but, uh, that's, that was mine with it. So that's, I, I don't know if that necessarily answers your question very well, John, but that's what I have. You know, on a fundamental level, I will say that it does because, uh, just because it didn't necessarily lead to a moment of salvation or any kind of salvific event, that doesn't necessarily mean that you didn't encounter God on some level, uh, with, with that music, you know, it, it it's like, it's sort of like the book of Ruth you know, God doesn't really show up in that book. Like there's no mention of him really Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at all throughout that entire book, but that's not to say that God isn't in the book of Ruth. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. God moves through circumstances and, you know, if God used that to bring you to a place of healing, then I don't see why that can't be the, you know, on that same level. So uh, how about you, Drew? So back in 2005, uh, I was between jobs, but I had already paid to go to with the church to the Passion Conference in Mm -hmm. Nashville that year. And admittedly, I have never been one to keep up with modern music. I I wait till I happen to hear something and then that's like, oh, yeah, I'll buy that album or I'll buy that song, whatever. And so I was fully unprepared when when we were. Uh, there on that last night and david crowder band was the one doing the the worship set on the last night oh he's so good too yeah and and this is bef- before he went split off and went and went saying it was a 
you know, for he and the band split up. This is still David Crowder, comma or uh, asterisk band. band. Yeah. Uh, and this was the year that their uh, album "A Collision" or three plus four equals seven came out. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of that one, there's a song called "You Are My Joy," which every time I I never caught that, that was the name of the song because every time they announced it, they called it the rock opera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I wasn't prepared for when they started playing that song for the first time and I was listening to it. And for the most part, it's a, it's not that complex a song, but you get to the middle where that violin solo starts and it, it slowly builds like a, like at the beginning of the solo, it's like they lit a match. And then by the end of it, you've got like the, the whole place is burning down kind of sort of like the fire is growing slowly. And that. I don't, I don't, I I think it was more emotional, I'll admit, than anything else, but it just, that was one of the, that, that was the mo- one of the mo- best, in, it, just listening to that felt like a worship moment. Oh, yeah. Like, stronger sure. than I had pretty, probably focused on, like, the rest of the, the, the weekend, but. Oh, for yeah. sure. That, and, but that, that moment, the first time I listened to it, now, granted, if you're going to go and listen to the song, please get the studio version of the album. Don't listen to the live version, because. Mm. David Crowder won't shut up during that solo and he keeps singing weirdly over it. Listen to the, just the violin part. <laughs> the studio know, album is so much better than him trying to go la la la. Anyway. No, I get you, man. Um, his last album, the, that, that triple album that he put out right before the band broke up, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there was a track on there and I think it was like a eight or nine minute, track and there there was dueling guitar solos in the middle of it oh yeah uh, and when when that album dropped and i heard that for the first time i was like guitar is my love language bro like for for people out there who don't know me well i play guitar in a band so like guitar is my love language and when i heard that and they like it wasn't even like like as a guitarist to speak guitar language um you can tell when somebody is just kind of riffing around on a guitar and they don't really know how to solo. And then when someone's ripping through something, it's just like, <clears throat> you, you almost use the Lord's name in vain a few times, just as an expression of the audacity of somebody flexing that hard on their instrument. You know what I mean? And, and it was so close to that level of guitar soloing in the middle of the song that is just amazing lyrically to begin with that it yeah i was not ready so i totally pick up on what you're putting down with that and crowder's good for that because yeah i i can't think of a moment where i really felt like any of crowder's albums were caught lacking on anything i think there's some that might be considered weaker than others but pretty much you know you're in for a good time with a crowder album yeah i there, there was it was his uh it was his I don't, I don't know how to put it. Like every time he'd put out an album, he would release an EP where he would play with the genre of the previous mm-hmm. album on some of the songs. Oh yeah. Like when he did illumination, he re he replayed, he did the, uh, the sushi EP where he did, he utilized techno to remix some of the songs. And then when he did a collision, uh, he did B collision where he did everything bluegrass mm-hmm. and stuff. I had like that, that one too. <clears throat> And I, I don't know. I, th- I think that that became a little bit sticky for me. So like when, when it came, when it came to those EPs, it was kind of meh, but like when, like on the legit albums, I, I can't say that he ever really made what I would call a bad album. You know, are, were you much into the David Crowder band back in the day, Francisco? Nope. Nope. I have, I have some artists that I just don't really care for that much. <clears throat> Crowder's uh, one of them, huh? Crowd, Dave Crowder and um, what's his name? Uh, Th- Third Day Mac oh, Mac something. Powell. Mac Powell. I just do not like their their voices. Some of their music's fine, but yeah, I just no, thank you. That's fair. Um, you don't have to like Goat Boy. Okay. To be fair, I, I guess I won't. <laughs> All right. All right. So I <laughs> true story. I have I have a Mac Powell story. And this, this kind of, this, this has less to do with him and more to show you what kind of kid I was back when I was in high school. (laughs) But, uh, when, uh, third day was, uh, touring for conspiracy number five, that was their second album for you youngsters out there. Um, I saw them 
when they came through Spokane and there was a big write-up about them in the newspaper when they were coming through. Cause it was still the nineties and the Christian music industry was booming. And, uh, um, there was a big section and it 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 always struck me as weird. Like they felt the need to say it in there, but they were getting irritated with all the people who were comparing third day to Hootie and the Blowfish. Cause they, that was another band that was big at the time. And let's face it, uh, Darius Rucker and Mac Powell have a very similar, uh, timbre of voice. Um, and so they would get frustrated with that. Well, I had second row tickets to see that concert when they came through Spokane. So me being who I was in high school in between every single song, I'd be just sitting there like, yeah, Hootie, we love you, you know, and start, wow. And start just shouting out for songs. Like I only want to be with you and hold my hand. And so, yeah, that, that, that's my Mac Powell story. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I, that, that's just who I was as a kid. That's totally fair. Um, probably to edit up i'm gonna have to uh, wrap i'm gonna gotcha, have to gotcha. leave soon so yeah I <clears throat> gotcha, am gotcha. Too. no that's fine that's fine um ironically i gotta get to choir practice <laughs> <laughs> whoa my dude with that being said then let's go ahead and bring this back down um it's been cool hanging out and chatting with you guys i feel like i've gotten to know you guys on a different level other than just podcasting and such uh, let's go ahead and get, let do some promoting here because we are all, um, culture box. So let's start with, let's just go from left to right on my screen. Drew, why don't you let people know about your podcast and where you can be found? Uh, you can f- find, uh, the Cellcast podcast, wherever fine podcasts are downloaded from, or at the cellcast.podbean.com. And over there we review animated movies and TV shows, so if you like cartoons, no matter what country they came from, though admittedly we've mostly focused on the United States and a little bit of Japan, I can't think of, we've done a couple things that are other countries, but most of that ended up during bad movie month. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you, you go ahead and talk to, listen to us over there. We, uh, we, we've, we just finished with our Studio Ghibli month. Uh, so we'll be getting doing Christmas next and we just finished with, uh, on the RTA, our animated series segment with X-Men, the animated series. And we're going to be going into of all things, neon Genesis Evangelion next, which that's going to be a lot of tragedy. If anybody wants to, if anybody wants to donate to Drew's, uh, tissue fund for all the crying, he's going to be doing from watching uh, crying. Maybe not. I just have a feeling. Uh, see, I've never watched Evangelion except for a couple episodes. So um, here's, here's my the deal. co-host is getting me in, is forcing me to watch it. Here's the deal. <laughs> Drew. I will, I will say this. Um, uh, I, I, rec- I know how that guy can be. I, I recent, I recently in the past two years have become a bit of a weeb. No, and- really? When we had a uh, <clears throat> when we had an anime focus over, uh, in Geek Devotions, um, me and Squid were originally going to do a focus on Sad Boy anime, and that was the top of everybody was just like, "Oh, the two ones that are going to break you, your lie in April and Neon Genesis Evangelion," and then Violet Evergarden was the third one that everybody would. I know it's generally considered a, tra- a tra- yeah, I know it's a tragedy, but it's like, I, I don't know. We will see how it goes. I just know I, I, I'm stuck I'm with it till March. Now, so. <laughs> well, it'll All be right. at the end of every episode of the Cellcast until March. So, All right. well, what about you, Francisco? Not that anybody's going to be listening to anything on the culture box network and not know who you are. Um, <laughs> but uh why don't you tell us where we can where we can find your small footprint on the network so you can find uh, me and my best friend paul do a podcast called the retro rewind podcast where we have a uh, rotating guest host drew and john here have been on it and we review movies and games that are 15 years or older uh sharing what we liked about them what we didn't like and essentially rating them classic nostalgic or tragic Sort of letting you know whether they're whether or not they're still worth your time today, and remember, uh, crucify them, Caiaphas, twenty twenty four. Wow, that's a callback, guys. Is this thing on? Oh, it's wow. on. All right, give us Barabbas. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right. Well, 
before this podcast gets swallowed up in the earth like the followers of Korra, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and sign it off. Thanks for listening, everybody. And I don't know. I don't have a catchphrase yet. This is episode one. Uh, so Keep it thanks cozy to Drew. In the loft. <laughs> thanks, Drew. Thanks to Francisco. And uh, catch you next time, everybody. It's a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.